right, man. Welcome to the introduction for Crow Triple Seven Radio, episode sixty-three. I have Jason Lingren with me today, and we're going to be talking about news, or more specifically, false news, and not just make-believe false news, like someone could call my show, but actual, true, mainstream broadcast false news. Since this is available to everybody, I'm going to read a short excerpt from a book called The Tavistock Institute. It was written by Daniel Estelin. Anyone with an interest in social programming, get this book, check it out. I don't agree with everything in here, but there is enough fantastic research that I would recommend anyone with an interest to read it. I'm going to cut in in the middle of the news propaganda section. Here we go. Now let's turn on the television and see for ourselves how the news is packaged for our consumption. All news items are told in short bites, most running no longer than 30 seconds. A major news item may run up to a minute or a minute and a half. Voice over pictures. Short interviews, usually only a few sentences, a few snippets of disjointed thought. The average half-hour segment of news may report up to 40 supposed news items, all presented in a seamless style, followed by sports, weather, entertainment, and idle banter between the newsreaders. This is all verifiable information. Not only is it verifiable, you can logically work out the parts that you can't verify firsthand. I'm going to read a little bit more here before we jump in. But are we witnessing real events from the real world? Is that how complex world issues are seen in situ? Libya shoehorned into a 30-second soundbite. Afghanistan, Afghanistan's 2,000 years of history into a 45-second interview dissected into three shorter interview bits, each consisting of three sentences of six words. Or is it a badly distorted picture that the newsreader tells you is reality? I would suggest to anyone listening that the last part of that is what's going on. You're looking at a mental manipulation of a situation that is so much more vast than even a thorough newscast could begin to cover. Consider this. If you were watching, uh, how could I put this? Let's say you were watching this massive boat race out in the ocean, and you had a camera with a narrow field of view, and you, ha- and you were given something like 15 seconds to cover it. Um, could you even in part trying your hardest to communicate the scope of the race you're watching, which is probably covering many miles of ocean in front of you. Let's say there's 50, 60, 70 yachts out there. How much of it could you communicate accurately to the reader? That might not be the best example, but I think you understand what I'm getting at here. Um, In the book, The Tavistock Institute, he rips apart Libya, uh, goes in in Afghanistan, and he points out things that I have verified, I don't know, a couple years ago, anyhow, um, dissecting my local news. I would invite anyone listening to go turn on your local news and watch a 30-minute segment, count how many news pieces are presented to you, how many seconds or minutes each news piece is, and how many sentences are in any given news piece. And I think you'll find out that Mr. Estelin is telling the truth. Quite often, it's one or maybe two sentences. Um, sometimes those sentences only have six to ten words. Um, how, how is it possible to commute anything of import to people? It's all mental manipulation. Anyhow, that really sets aside what we're really going to dig into here, which is actually the intentional falsification and invention of supposed news stories that are then fed out to literally billions of minds all over the world. How is it 
that something supposedly happens in the world and you turn on your television and see it on the news and every channel you click to is covering the same exact story to the point where some of them are even running the exact same reel. Um, This is not an intent to inform you of anything. This is an intent to program you. And any person who logically looks at any major event that goes down and then watches how the television responds or pushes the event should inform you of a lot. But unfortunately, so many of us, so damn many of us, are stuck in a daze, transfixed, completely psyched out by our television, just sitting there with our mouth open, acting like there is value to what we're being shown. And in fact, all you're being shown is agenda and programming. There is no real news in this world anymore, as far as I know. Um, Not coming from your television, anyhow. Not coming from a newspaper. And not only that, most of it is tied into music and entertainment and all over the place. How often have you watched a movie where Bill O'Reilly from Fox News does a cameo? Really? Or some other famous news head does a cameo. This is being done on the Marvel movies recently. Anyhow, let's jump into ex- episode 63 with Jason Lindgren and take a look at the false news cycle that owns and operates our world. Cheers. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 63. I have Jason Lindgren with me. We're going to be talking about news, but in the modern age, whenever you say news, you're basically talking about fake news. Um, there really are no mainstream news sources anymore. Uh, that are not pushing agenda, nonsense, propaganda, or any number of things we could label to identify the fact that they are not designed to inform us of anything in the way that we would expect to get news. After all, uh, and this has been covered by so many people so many times, the word news does break down to north, east, west, south. So which direction would you like your mind pulled in? Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Hello, Crow. We got quite a list here. Uh, This is pretty topical. You know, there's the whole idea that people are going to be passing fake news laws. Um, And I did some looking into this. And from most of the places I see in the United States, they're flat out stating um, that's just making a mockery of free speech. Um, Where are you at with the whole idea of I think Germany was one of the places pushing it. Where are you at with this whole idea? Well, it sounds to me like this is just another excuse to crack down on our freedoms. If They bombard the airwaves and the internet and everything else with absolute nonsense that looks like it could be dangerous or misleading in some way. They can start making excuses that you can only put out official news through official mainstream sources and no one else can. And, well, that's just more control, isn't it? Well, on the face of it, it's it's ludicrous. Um, If there was truly a law passed that said you can't publish fake news, every news outlet in this country would be under the gun. Uh, whether it's CNN or Fox or some of these cable newses, which seem to actually fabricate at the, you know, maybe be the starting point for the fabrication of a lot of this nonsense, um, all the local stations echo it. Um, and it's funny because I was looking up, you know, when I was a kid, they talked a lot about journalism and, you know, how it was the third estate and they'd be watchdogs over and just all this stuff. Um, there really is no journalism anymore in news organizations. If you want to find any semblance of journalism, you got to look for people like you and I. Um, and we're not trained journalists. We're just people who are challenging the nonsense we see. But um, it goes on and on and on. Anyhow, uh, do you want to add anything in before we jump into the timeline here? Well, this is a dangerous path that could lead to 
the creation of a Politburo and that only news can come from the government sources and then distributed amongst the uh, mainstream official sources that they allow. So uh, it's a dangerous path. Right. And and to some degree, that's already what's going on. Uh, You know, you and I have broken down uh, the the couple of major corporations that own something like 89% of all media, music, you know, movies, all these types of information systems. And not only that, you know, there's this thing going on that I noticed the other night on TV where they were talking, do we need to start policing Facebook? So what we actually see them doing is in the in the United States anyway, is try to figure out ways they can censor content and not violate the idea of free speech so openly. Um, YouTube is doing this by putting it on advertisers. So they're not really removing your content. They're just saying this content is different than that content and therefore no ads will run here, which on the face of it is ludicrous. Over on Facebook, um, it's much, much worse. And, you know, we've had people on recently that have demonstrated that there are algorithms running where they find hundreds of people in other places are not seeing the content. I'm actually hearing rumors now that when you get a video flagged, and by the way, the last video or the last show you and I put up was flagged by YouTube and the ads were pulled. Update. I challenged it and believe it or not, they reinstated ads. But what I'm hearing is once they flag your video on YouTube and say it's not advertiser friendly, that that video is actually not being served up in a lot of places. I don't know how much truth there is, but there it is, man. Well, the algorithm probably also prevents it from showing up in searches. You know, you know, a lot of times on the side, it'll come up and say recommended for you and all that kind of thing. It probably just removes it from any of that. Well, truth be told, um, they could be completely choking the content right now. And we'd never have a way to know what someone in Africa or India is seeing or not seeing. Um, and, and this is what uh, this is what in our chemtrail episode, Matt Landman was talking about with his Facebook, where he was flat out proving uh, that many people were seeing partial posts or no posts at all. Um, And it shows the underhanded nature of information here uh, on the Internet. But anyhow, what do you say, man? You ready to jump in and do this thing? Absolutely. Let's talk about fake news. It's all you, man. So what do we mean by fake news? I think is the first thing we we should talk about. It could be called yellow journalism, which is a deliberate attempt to misrepresent at best or blatantly spread false information. Now, in the past, this would have been in newspaper, print or radio or television later. But in today's Internet, everything interconnectedness world, most folks get their news from online sources. So the problem is, who knows what the true source of news being reported on, uh, whether it's coming from legitimate and accurate sources. Well, I mean, let's cut to the chase here. For my part, there's no such thing in in the mainstream world. And I would point out, you know, let's look at something like the movie Citizen Kane, which is regularly voted the best movie of all time. Uh, anyone who's ever taken the time to watch that movie, I mean, they're flat out way back then showing what was done with newspapers, how rich people bought them up to control the narrative. And then in the case of Citizen Kane, they made up wars that didn't exist. They even made fun of the countries where they were making up these wars as having taken place. And the countries were contacting the saying there's no war there. And in Citizen Kane, the guy who owns the paper says, what do you mean there's no war? The paper said there's a war. So there is, in fact, a war. Um, I would submit, Jason, for my part, the mainstream sources Uh, are nothing but propaganda. I completely agree with that. And of course, the concept of fake news in some way, shape or form has been used in human civilization for as long as 
humans have been organized into collective units. And in, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, the leadership from the top down will pretty much just tell people what they need to tell them, won't they? Yeah, and in a lot of ways, this the idea of how this is done kind of plays into the idea of lesser magic, which is basically just manipulating people's minds. It's like sleight of hand for mentalism. Um, you know, there was we we did a show I don't even know how long ago where we were pointing out that votes in the United States have nothing to do with seating a president. Nothing. There's a show on television, which I actually recorded and caught because they were claiming to break it down. And while they told the truth that the votes mean nothing, the whole narrative was shaped in a way to make it seem like your vote was still important. You still need to vote. Uh, democracy is alive and well living here. And it shows the duplicitous nature and the kind of lesser magic they're playing on the minds of all the people watching. On the one hand, they're flat out stating your vote means dick. And on the other hand, they're buffering you away from what they just told you and resetting your mindset to think, but there's still a reason to vote and you need to go out and vote. But anyhow, uh, if anyone thinks that they're voting for the president of the United States, they're silly. Now, can you make a change on a local level? I think that might still be possible, especially if you do watchdog them. But don't think for a second that anything major you're going to have any influence over. The, that stuff is bought and paid for, and it has been for decades, if not longer. It, gerrymandering has even been shown to uh, predict elections long before they happen. Um, and, you know, anyone can go look up gerrymandering and see how districts are drawn. What this basically allows people to do in the modern age with mega data and data mining and algorithms is know the outcome of an election years in advance. And that's not even just a claim. That's a thing. Um, but anyhow, keep on moving, Jason. OK, so fake news can be broken down into three types. The first type could be described as real issues that get a lot more attention than they actually deserve, but they're still receiving that attention. Uh, this could be more literally stated as a false balance, and we saw a very good bit of this in the in the recent election. So basically the idea here is that something happened that's kind of minor, but the major news agencies will keep blowing it up proportion and keep flooding the airwaves with this topic instead of focusing on, on some other things that probably are way more relevant and much more important. But this thing is a great distraction, so we're just going to pound the hell out of it. So this is a critical, critical point. Um, this is total mental and perception manipulation. Um, anyone can go out and understand that this is happening wherever they live in the United States, anyhow, place I'm familiar with. Uh, look at your local news. When your local news comes on, start clocking how many negative stories, how much rape, how much murder, how theft, fires, um, auto accidents, this type of thing. So this is exactly what we're talking about here. While there may have truly been a fire somewhere, who knows? Sometimes they just make it up. Other times it's based on an event. Uh, what they do is make it seem like this is the main concerns of this place. Now, where I live, I've already done this. I've looked at the news. I've watched what they push. And when I go out in a day, if I was to get in my vehicle and go out for a full day and drive around the place I live, I probably wouldn't see one auto accident, one rape, one murder, one theft, one fire, one anything violent or severe. And yet when I come home that evening and turn on the news, like 80% of it is pushing this. So this is exactly what we're talking about, where an actual event may have occurred that's not even really news. If someone gets in an accident in the city of Providence, why is that news for me 
you know, 50 miles away from Providence. It's really not. But anyhow, sorry, Jason. So the second type would be called propaganda. Propaganda would be defined as information, ideas, or rumors deliberately spread widely to help or harm a person, group, movement, institution, nation, etc. And there are three kinds of propaganda, white, gray, and black. So, of course, propaganda has been going on as long as we've had people in charge of societies on any level. Uh, the Vietnam War was started with false propaganda by Jim Morrison's father, who was an admiral. Anyhow, Jason, go ahead and break down the three types of propaganda as they are defined. So white propaganda contains mostly truthful information. It may be, in fact, based on solid facts or events, but it doesn't necessarily tell the whole truth. Its power lies in the fact that partial truths based on documented evidence are much more believable than outright lies. I mean, this is self-explanatory. Go ahead and push through gray and black just to, to get a, you know, a nice fence around propaganda. So gray propaganda may seem like it's presenting legitimate arguments that do not have any sort of agenda behind them, but the origins of the information, or even the names of the groups releasing it, are almost never properly sourced or documented. A source may be named occasionally, but it's often ultimately untrue. Before you jump into black, I will just add, in the internet age here, uh, finding the source of any given story that is called news is nearly impossible at this point. Um, what happens is someone creates a story somewhere, and then it just gets propagated everywhere. Anyhow, go ahead, Jason. Black propaganda is that which is produced and distributed with the deliberate intention of subversion. The best and most effective black propaganda is that which, in all ways, looks like it's produced from legitimate sources. Black propaganda can be true or false, but it is defined by the reason that it is being released in the first place, the intent behind it, and the absolutely crucial element of it being completely believable. So I would submit that terrorism fits the bill for black propaganda. Um, it was, I don't know, a year, under two years ago, I'm sure, uh, where people were starting to find out that the ISIS websites were held by the British Commonwealth or the government or something like this. Um, this is a perfect example of black propaganda. The problem here is so much of the news we get will actually fit under the heading of black propaganda. All the false gun violence, of course, will fit this bill. Um, as a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say the most damaging elements of our news that have the biggest, the largest effect on the minds of the country here where I live is fed by black propaganda. Um, where are you at, Jason? Yeah, I mean, they're trying to make these things look super legit, but in fact, it's complete BS, you know, that, but that it's going to serve their long-term goals by constantly pounding these, these things over and over and over again, like gun violence, you know, gun, guns, 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 guns are bad. And then they have their excuse to start heavying up on the laws to take guns out of our hands, when in fact, it's statistically proven, for, just as a good example, that a heavily armed you know, normal population has much less crime because everybody knows that you'll blow their head off if they try and pull anything. Right. And that sets aside the whole false news cycle where we see false gun violence. Sandy Hoax is a prime example. Um, and and the thing the thing that's really maddening about this type of black propaganda like Sandy Hook um, is that 
I would estimate the majority of people are being fooled. And it's a real shame. You see, because propaganda of any sort will not hold up to scrutiny. You can never make a false thing true. You just cannot do it. And what that means is that anyone with an adult mind that challenges what they're being presented with and breaks it down will in fact find the holes in the story. Once they begin to find that the story doesn't hold up, that they can't balance the ledger, they begin to understand what, in fact, they're being presented with. Anyhow, go ahead, Jason. So what I'm seeing now as I get into this third part of it is they can't do these big events as often or in such detail anymore, I guess you could say, because people are tearing them apart now. We, we have at our disposal the technology to really scrutinize the hell out of any one particular situation. So this next topic is called disinformatia, and this comes from the KGB Soviet era, and it's a technique of massively polluting the massive news pool so as to make it difficult and, for some, perhaps even impossible to trust anything that someone may come across. Trolling could be a good, good example of this, or another form that's called shitposting. It can frustrate and irritate the hell out of anyone who's trying to have a reasonable conversation about some kind of topic online, say on a YouTube video or whatever it happens to be, a forum, uh, on any particular subject. So I think that since they really can't pull off things like a 9-11 anymore, what they do is they just bombard everything with nonsense so that you just don't know what you're wading through at this point. Right. And I think there's even a more insidious form of this in the case of 9-11 um, or maybe even Sandy Hook, but certainly 9-11, because I, you know, I've done shows on this and done the investigation. It appears to me that these events are designed to be discovered at some point. And if this is correct, the effect of that is basically this. A large number of people discover that 9-11 was a fraud and yet they do nothing. The people who put this thing together take that as a form of compliance and tacit permission. But there's even a more insidious side of this thing, because even though the people who realized now that it's false and didn't stand up and do anything, it's polluted the mindset of the populace where now it's a thing that's happened. We've all accepted it. So the next thing that comes down the line isn't as brutal on our minds because we're already kind of like the frog in boiling water. We're already used to it a little bit more. Um, in terms of the, you know, the the KGB idea here, it seems to me almost like alchemy being misused where they're going to drag you to the crossroad where you're going to have to make a decision. But they've created an environment where it's nearly impossible to make a good decision. And that, in a lot of ways, is the ultimate mind screw. Well, what I'm seeing a lot, I know you don't use Facebook anymore, but I use it for promotion of what we do here and several other things. And I just see these stories that are constantly being uh, shared over and over and over again. And I'm looking at them like, this just doesn't sound right. It doesn't feel right to me. And on top of that, they're so loaded with ads now. Like, I cannot open something without being bombarded with ads on the page itself. And half the time anymore, I'm noticing that the ads are actually taking over uh, what I'm trying to read, and it redirects it somewhere else. So it almost seems like they're, they're getting two jollies out of one because they're getting their ad revenue off of the story, and then they're filling your head with BS if, if indeed the story is nonsense, you know? 
<laughs> so basically monetized false news. I mean, there it is. I mean, in a capitalist world, um, that kind of thing is going to go on. But it would be interesting to understand the amount of revenue that's being drawn. And I would guess that it's a massive number um, because Facebook is everywhere. Uh, it, you know, if you think about revenue from you know, maybe like a TV show, that's just one country. Facebook is in every country with a, with an Internet connection. Anyhow, back to you. And just to kind of put the cap on that, I'm, one time I was reading an article I actually did want to read, and I counted no less than five ads on the page trying to you know dance around get my attention, plus a pop up, and which I immediately hit the X to close. It's like it's it's ridiculous, man. They are literally bombarding us, and I think this has another effect on us in the sense that you, the perpetual distraction that's going on has now become something you're used to because most people will at least pick up on the fact, well, I don't want to click on that. I don't want to see that. It's just an ad. I want to read this article. So you're desensitizing yourself to the fact that all this nonsense is going on around you and you're learning how to ignore it subconsciously. Yeah, that's a true thing. But you see, e even your subconscious is being affected. There are people out there who have looked at how the ads serve over false news, and they're trying to make the case that the content, the color, the encoding in the ad is actually leveraging off the false news itself. And it's hard to know what psychologically this may be doing. Um, but in, in you know, look at the case of Ebola. We covered this a number of times. When the nonsense of Ebola was you know, sprouted up for the second or third or however many times it comes up. It's like a cycle. Every every so many months goes by and we hear about Ebola again and the world's going to end and we're all going to die of Ebola. But what we noticed is that there was this weird electric green, which was reminiscent of the band Poison from the 80s, their green color scheme. That kind of not natural green was showing up in nearly all the Ebola imagery. So we knew there was a psychological element where you were being kind of trained like Pavlov's dogs whenever they were talking about poisons and Ebola and plagues and things like this. They were leveraging this green into the whole situation. But anyhow, um, I, I don't want to ramble too much. Go ahead, Jason. Do you remember the Mr. Yuck stickers that was a big thing in the late 70s, early 80s? It was when I was real little, but you, you would have been a, a teenager, I guess. But that was a big thing for a while, where even in school they were passing these things out and it had that color green. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's any coincidence. You know, I had never really thought about it to the degree that I have since until uh, it dawned on me that every single Ebola picture that was coming out of the journal pools or the, the supposed journalistic pools like Reuters and these other places, there's a dude with the weird color green gloves. There's a green bucket. All these people are wearing the green T-shirt. And the more I dug in, my mind clicked over, and that's really when I began to see – uh, the level of mental manipulation that's going on. I mean, it's it's really in your face. And I haven't checked recently, but I imagine people could probably still go on a search engine and do Ebola searches and look for the press pool, Reuters, CNN type of imagery, uh, Getty, that kind of thing, and look for this kind of off natural green. Yeah, no, it's it, goodness only knows what they implanted years ago that they're now reusing. Right. As programming. And and that's just one when you said the green. That's what always pops in my mind is that little Mr. Yuck sticker that I remember from a kid. But anyway, now we can go back in time and look at once again at a program from the CIA called Operation Mockingbird. This is said to have begun in the early 1950s and been a large scale program to manipulate news media for propaganda purposes. A current example of a very likely CIA asset in place for many years now 
in a very major media organization would be a, a man named Anderson, Anderson Cooper on CNN, who interned with the CIA for two summers and then decided he wanted to go work in journalism, even though he had no journalistic experience and didn't go to school for journalism. Well, the, you know, with Anderson Cooper, it's not hard to draw the lines at all because I don't know if I'm going to get this right. I'm pulling from memory here. I think his mother is an aster. Here in Rhode Island, there's a place called Newport. Um, anyone who's seen the movie The Great Gatsby can see the just mansions, massive mansions that are in Newport still. They're open to the public at this point, most of them. But some of them still have original tenants like on the top floors and this type of thing. Um, we're told it got too expensive, the taxes, for the, the families to continue to hold it. Who knows what's true? But Anderson Cooper comes from this royalty. And basically what was going on, and it's depicted in The Great Gatsby, is the movers and shakers, the royalty of New York, would come to Newport, Rhode Island and live in these just incredible mansions. And that is the lineage of Anderson Cooper. So again, you have the ties to the rich, famous elite, and then it's no secret that he interned with the CIA. So yeah, we know who Anderson Cooper is. Um, and he's a strange-looking fellow to boot. Yeah, he um, he just has a creepy vibe to me. That's what I've always thought. Even before I knew about him, he never settled well with me. But anyway... No, no. And, and I, I would add, you remember, remember the whole Arab Spring thing, you know, when they when they were running, you know, there's going to be an Arab uprising in Egypt and Anderson Cooper went down there and the whole thing was ludicrous. Here's this blonde haired, you know, white haired, blue eyed guy trying to mix. <laughs> and then all of a sudden horses, guys with horses and swords go running into the crowd and the whole thing just had a completely staged vibe. And uh, anyhow, I don't want to track off. Go ahead. Keep pushing. <laughs> So to see just how easy it is for the elite powers to control the flow of information, we need to discuss what is generally referred to as the Big Six. Now, the following media companies that we're going to go over are umbrella corporations for nearly every major media outlet as far as Western culture is concerned, which is what, what everybody looks to anyway. Media does not just refer to news sources either. The term media can mean 24-hour news stations, newspapers, publishing houses, internet utilities, video game developers, print, anything, any of this stuff. And this list is pretty extensive, but I know I missed some because it just kind of got silly after a while. It's like, yeah, they control everything. So basically what it comes down to is if your mind is consuming something, it's media. But I mean, Jason, we, we covered in previous episode how we got down to the big two corporations and we demonstrated how all the people who sat on the board of directors were in overarching kind of secret society places like the Trilateral Commission and the CFR and, you know, Club of Rome. Are we going to get a sense of that in the list you're about to break down? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be, I know a lot of folks like to say Jews control everything, and, well, you know, I did find that a lot of Jewish people are in this business, but not all of them. So I've always thought that was a bit of a red herring, too, but there are a large amount of Ashkenazi Jews in control of things. But the first one is National Amusements Incorporated. It was founded in 1936 as the Northeast Theater Corporation by Michael Redstone. It is now owned by his son, Sumner Redstone, who has an 80% share, and Sumner's daughter, Shari, with the remaining 20%. Sumner is said to be worth approximately $4.6 billion. The family are Ashkenazi Jews. The media assets of this company include a ton of movie theaters, as well as, and this is an extensive list, Axis TV, 
All Things BET, which is the uh, Black Entertainment uh, Network, Big Ticket Television, All Things CBS, Showcase Cinema Deluxe, Centric, Eleven, HDNet Movies, and anything that has the HDNet logo on it, Epics, CMT, Flicks, Decades, Kinostar, Insurge, Comedy Central, Everything to do with MTV, Classic, Pop, Multiplex, Logal, All Things Nickelodeon, All Things Paramount, Showcase, The Smithsonian Channel, Spelling, Republic, Spike, Showtime, and all their networks, Uh, something called the CW Joint Venture with one of the other big companies, Set Pay-Per-View, The Movie Channel, Trey, TV Land, United International Pictures, VH1, and Viacom. For print, they have Pocketbooks, and Simon and & Schuster, and all those subsidiaries. For video games, they have CBS Games, and Internet, CBS Interactive, Last.fm, TV Guide, GameFAQs, M, ZDNet, <laughs> Max Preps, Roadshow, Tech Republic, CNET, and everything to do with CNET, and 24-7 Sports. I mean, just that list alone... I mean, Jeez, I, man. come on, Jason, when we've done so many shows on full spectrum programming and just from this list alone, although I love some of the names like insurge and spelling, um, but we see some of you, their logos. <laughs> yeah, I know. It never ends. It never ends. But when you consider full spectrum programming on the tail of the list, you just broke down. You can see how easy it is to put out a nonsense idea and run it across everything, even into video games and kids shows and movies and, you know, all CBS. So that means news. Uh, It's ridiculous. How is it? You know, I remember in in my younger years, like as an example, uh, all the telephone was owned by what was called Ma Bell. And there was this big court case saying, oh, you can't have a monopoly. A similar thing happened uh, when computers were coming to bear because Microsoft appeared to own everything and there was a browser war. And of course, you know, they did their nonsense court case to show, oh, you can't have a monopoly. Well, what you just described is beyond monopoly. Um, And the thing about it is, uh, you know, do we even know where these people call home, uh, the the Sumner family? Are are they in some particular country that doesn't have these laws? I mean, if, if they were in the United States, it would stand to reason that monopoly laws would be a problem for them. But anyhow, I'm just thinking... Well, I think one of the ways they get around it is that uh, the companies themselves are independent. They're just holding stock in them. But holding holding those shares means you have control anyway. Well, we, we've already defined many times who a corporation serves. A corporation does not serve its customers per se. Um, direct servitude from a corporation goes to the stock the shareholders and the board of directors. So we've demonstrated this time and time again. So I don't know. I think the argument could be made here. Sure. Absolutely. So on to number two, we have, of course, Disney. The Disney dun, dun, Studios uh-huh. <laughs> were formed in 1923 by Freemason Walt Disney and is now and is now currently run by Bob Iger. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. Uh, he is said to have a net worth of $100 million, and he is also an Ashkenazi Jew. Disney has control over all things Walt Disney, of course, as well as all things to do with Lucasfilm, which is Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of that. Marvel, and of course the the Marvel movies are really huge right now, and, and of course all the comics and all that. Everything 
ABC, all A&E properties, all of ESPN, all things History Channel, and a myriad of other media companies, including print and video games that I just don't even need to go into. Yeah, and just real quickly, we did the breakdown in our previous show, I, if I remember, and I'm guessing off the top of my head, I think it was over 210 subsidiary corporations that Disney owns that all have to do with media of one shape or form. All right, number three is Time Warner. Their current CEO is Jeff Bukes, with an approximate net worth also in the tens of millions of dollars. He is not Jewish, but he does have a Jewish wife. Time Warner controls all things CNN. HBO, Cartoon, Cartoon Network, Warner Brothers, and a slew of others. For print, they control DC Comics and all things Time Magazine and everything, all the subsidiaries wrapped up in that, and a bunch of video game, music, and internet, as well as uh, other massive investments outside of media. You know, just the one thing I would say to, to any parents that are out there listening, um, you got to understand what's being done with these video games, man. And as we move closer and closer to virtual reality, um, the kind of mental damage that can be done is going to be on a whole new a whole new level. In my view, um, what we're finding is that they are trickling all these ideas since most kids don't watch CNN or, you know, other things. They trickle it into these games in the same way. But you see the difference between watching the news and playing a video game is immersion. When you're playing a video game, your mind is so hooked. You are so immersed in the content that's being presented. Anyhow, um, I, I won't even get into it more, but I mean, are you with me here, Jason? Oh, yeah. And and it's easy. You know, I'm only half done. And, and you can see how the ideas that any powers that be want to have injected, you can now see how easy it is because they only have to go to six separate entities at most to uh, get anything put in. And the one we just went through for Time Warner, they have control of DC. Well, in the new Superman movie, just to give an example, uh, the, the whole storyline behind Krypton and everything was was highly about eugenics and transhumanism. Well, what's funny about here, you talk about these people being in concert, for the most part, wherever the Ashkenazi Jewish temple is, I mean, they could make any decision in the world there, couldn't they? Um, there, there's really... We, we see people who are members of the same things. In this case, you're pointing out a religion. Um, I don't accept Jewishness as a gene, um, just for the record. But anyhow, it's no different than being members of Trilateral Commission or members of some other overarching organization. Um, it shows the, the complicit nature of what's going on here. I, I mean, there's no getting away from it. No, no, it's not. All right, next we have Comcast. The current CEO is Brian L. Roberts, worth also tens of millions of dollars. He is an Ashkenazi Jew. Comcast controls all things NBC, Universal, Sci-Fi, DreamWorks, the Weather Channel. For internet, they have Comcast and Xfinity, uh, as well as an insane amount of other media ventures. You know, one thing that pops out in this list is the Weather Channel. Um, you know, when I was young, and hurricanes would come through Rhode Island when we happened to be here. There was a couple of times. Um, it was just a thing you did. It wasn't all fear porned out. When you turn on the Weather Channel now, every day they are pushing fear porn about the weather. Um, and the really interesting thing to me is when I was in San Diego, it's a lot easier to get the weather right. It's going to be sunny today. You know, <laughs> it's not. It's it's not going to rain today. <laughs> um, but here. The Weather Channel almost never gets the weather right. But if you turn on the Weather Channel and watch for any 
15, 20 minute period, um, you will begin to see how it's just fear porn. They're trying to make, you know, weather this scary thing. And it's ludicrous. I mean, I remember Hurricane Bob. Uh, there wasn't near the fear porn wrapped around that. Back then it was just, well, you better have some food and you might want to think about taping your windows. And you went through it. Now you turn on the weather channel and any hailstorm in the country is going to be, you know, the death of us all. Anyhow, just an observation. No, you're absolutely correct there because I have the weather channel app on my phone just because it's convenient. But for one thing, it annoys the crap out of me when I look at it because it's riddled with ads. And second of all, one of the little videos or, or stories or something that's on there is going to be just what you said. It's going to be a fear porn thing showing like some devastation of weather somewhere. And it's like, I'm in Southern Louisiana. I don't care about that. You know? Yeah. Um, it, it's a whole thing. People should just learn to challenge what they're being presented with. And when you turn on a channel that's based on weather and all you get is fear porn, you should understand what you're looking at. But anyhow, let's do number five here. Number five is News Corps, run by Rupert Murdoch, who's also worth a silly amount of money. He's actually not Jewish at all, but is in fact of white European descent. Their assets include all things Fox, 20th Century Fox, National Geographic, News Corps, and a bunch of others. They have music interests as well, and a whole lot of newspaper and other print publishers. I would just ask, next time National Geographic magazine comes to your house and they announce a new dinosaur, should you challenge that information maybe? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Next, uh, and the last one is Sony. Their current CEO is Kazuo Hirai. I'm not, not sure how, if I'm pronouncing that correct or not. He is worth not quite as much as some of the other players, but still worth millions of dollars. He is obviously Japanese. Uh, their media assets are, of course, all things Sony, TriStar, and a bunch of others. Several massive music groups are under them. Uh, let's see, they have something called Sonet for the Internet and uh, other large investments that they've got deals with. So I'm wondering, you know, you went through the big six or the big five, whatever it's going to be called here. Um, and having watched you break down the list, it almost seems like these, even these five or six places you just mentioned uh, and their CEOs would fall under the control of the big two we broke down before. I mean, doesn't it seem that way? Yeah, and um, I'm pretty certain that some of these guys have attended Bilderberg. I should have probably looked that up, but it wouldn't surprise me. You always see media people going to things like the the big meetings, Bilderberg just being one of them, but they have the big G6 meetings and all those. And these people are always involved. So who do you think they're taking orders from? Yeah, I don't think there's any way around it, because in the episode we did, we basically demonstrated that we had come from what was then called um, – years ago, the big five, down to the big two, which I think it was 2013, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but they were, if I'm remembering, 89% control of all forms of media. And so the list you just broke down here would have to be umbrellaed in under that. I'm just guessing, not, not knowing for sure here. Well, and here's what it comes down to as well. The approximate combined value of all these companies is approximately $430 billion as of uh, the, the last number I could find, find, which was just a few years ago. And, of course, that number is increasing all the time. So here's the question. Do you think they have an interest in controlling the narrative with that kind of money and power being bantied about? I mean, there's there's no getting around it. People who simply accept information from any of the places that were in the list you just mentioned are not really getting it. Um, 
every bit of information should be challenged. And truth be told, you should not be consuming what they call news. It is not news. It's propaganda. But, you know, on the tail of one of the episodes we did, I had a number of people, some younger people and some parents, um, contacting me about the content that was in their video games that the kids were playing. Um, and one of the big topics was chemtrails, how chemtrails had apparently been inserted in a lot of these games. And while I haven't seen this firsthand, I think I got somewhere between eight and 10 emails from people talking about this. And I forget the episode that, that initiated that, but anyhow, um, any form of media that, that, breaks down in these lists. I mean, come on, people. These are monopolies, and it gives people an incredible amount of control. It, I, I can't overstate. you got to challenge this stuff or avoid it altogether. Now, speaking of chemtrails, on that same Weather Channel app that I have, I have several major cities saved and places that I've gone to that I happen to leave in the saved list. And I was flipping through them not too long ago, and one of them has a very obviously chemtrailed residue breaking apart sky as the picture for the background of the city. I forget which one it was. But, I mean, it just jumped out at me. I know what to look for now. Um, my, my knowledge of chemtrails has grown in leaps and bounds just because of Matt Lamon and his awesome documentary, Frankenskies. But, I mean, I was aware of this before. But here they are putting that even in the app uh, to make it look like this is normal. This is This is everyday stuff. It's a funny thing. There's very few blue sky days here where we don't get chemtrailed at one level or another. And by the time the sun is going down, where it is going down in the west is blotted out from the sky. So you can't actually see the sun clearly going down below the horizon. Um, but yesterday on the 4th of July, it was a beautiful day and there were no chemtrail planes. It's the first, uh, it's the first one I can remember in recent history um, where that was the case. But when you begin to look at television as a whole. Uh, one thing that began to jump out at me was the car commercials. Um, you know, here they are, they want to have this beautiful truck or this beautiful car in this natural setting, and there's always chemtrails in the sky. And that's just a ridiculous thing, because first of all, if it was not possible to shoot that, in post-production, you would have your beautiful sky laid in. That's just the way it is. And you're talking to a guy who's been around video for many, many years. It's not that tough a thing to do. And yet what we actually see is the chemtrails being prominently portrayed or flashed in quick three-second sequences so that they are numbing your mind, um, you know, changing your perception to ever challenge these things. But anyhow, we're getting a little bit off track here. Let's jump in and, uh, and discover where did we get the term fake news? Has it been around for decades or is this a new thing? Both, actually. The term was used years ago, but the current crop of it, as far as modern circles and, and how it started all this, this internet searching of that term, it was first used at Donald Trump's first press conference as president-elect. He was, get, of course, getting bombarded with questions and all that, but he pointed at CNN reporter Jim Acosta and said, you are fake news, and refused to listen to his question. And that guy, I've seen that clip, that this Jim Acosta would not shut up. I mean, he just kept hammering and hammering and hammering and hammering. I'm surprised that, that Trump didn't snap at him or have him escorted out. You know, this is what they always do. It's a bit like the, the birther thing, right? You know, they had crazy Trump. He had his own reality show or some stupid nonsense back then. And he was screaming, oh, Obama wasn't born where he said he was. What they do is they get the crazy guy in the room um, to actually tell the truth. And if he pointed at CNN, I haven't seen the clip and yelled fake news, he was telling the truth. 
CNN is, in fact, fake news. Um, but it just goes to show how insidious this is. They throw it right in your face and get away with it. Um, they get away with this all the time. And now they've got the perpetual drama since all those months ago of Trump versus the mainstream news, and they can play this up all the time. They have this uh, you know, huge drama that they can always be pointing out how Trump is going against them all uh, anytime they want to now. You know, anytime. And, and I don't know what's really going on with Donald Trump and what's in his mind. I mean, we know where he comes from, so take it as you will. But he's an actor, man. He's yeah, an actor acting a part. That's yeah. what he's doing. You know, anyone could take footage of the modern crazy dude, Donald Trump. Um, he's a bit like The Simpsons. You know, before The Simpsons, America didn't really have this mainstream idea that being lowbrow and unintelligent and doing ridiculous things was cool. Trump is furthering this. If you take footage of what a what a president was perceived to be, say, in the 50s or 60s, it's a far cry from what we're passing off as presidents now. Um, and it's a bit like the frog in boiling water. You know, you get people to do ridiculous things and then pretty soon that becomes the norm. Simpsons is is a big part of this in our culture where they're actually beloved now. And I would ask, why is the Simpsons beloved? You know, all they're doing is showing people how to live their life in dirty diapers. That's basically what they're doing. So how is that a thing that we revere and value in this country? I'm just saying, man. Anyhow, back over to you. And even though it's for comedic value, the, the main male figure on there, Homer Simpson, is a complete dolt. And that's a theme that's really big now. Like there's hardly any strong male characters anymore on, on mainstream television, are there? No. And, 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 you know, we should do a future show because this plays into the whole kind of talking animals thing so prevalent in things like Disney teaching your children. Um, in the Tavistock research, it was shown flat out that this was a Freudian, Jungian idea where they're getting kids to identify with animals as their teacher, thereby lowering their human potential. And for the average person hearing this for the first time, it may seem like a bridge too far, but I assure you there there is something here to be, to be uh, looked at. Now, if you look across all children's programming and start to see how much of that is going on, then relate it to back to what we're talking about, The Simpsons, basically all these programs are doing a number of things at once. But at the top of the list, they are lowering your mind. They're lowering our mental ability as a whole. In the case of The Simpsons, you know, he works at a nuke facility. Well, nukes are nonsense. We've already pointed this out in a past episode, so you can see how it's like this hydra with many things going on all at once. But at the very basic foundational level, it's designed to lower our mental capabilities and how we identify with things uh, in society. And they're taking the piss out of us again with the character of Mr. Burns on The Simpsons because he looks like the one Rothschild guy. He's like the, sp <laughs> he's like the spitting image of him, you know? I, I know it, it's, it goes on and on. It's a poke in the eye and uh, it's beyond the pale. Uh, it, it really does demonstrate um, what the television age has done to to at least America. I can't speak for other nations, but there it is. So going back in time, we have newspaper businessmen having the idea for fake news to sell copies as early as 1835 is one of the ones I found. And I thought that's early enough. I'm sure stuff went on before then, too, but this one I thought was interesting because of uh, who you are, of course. The Sun newspaper was reporting on astronomer John Herschel observing unbelievable creatures through a powerful telescope in an observatory in South Africa. None of it was true, of course, but they 
nearly doubled their sales during this time when they were putting out story after story after story of the different creatures and the lands that he was seeing and all this stuff because they knew from way back then how long it would take for the actual official releases of information to come out. So they had months to just keep concocting this stuff. And what what did it do? They doubled their sales, more than doubled their sales, in fact, uh, because people wanted to see the, the, the next crazy thing that was being discovered on the moon. So talk about synchronicity, Jason. I'd say about eight months ago from Amazon, I bought like a little kid's book almost that covers this event um, and what happened and what they did. Not only did they make up nonsense about all these things that lived on the moon, they ended up keeping the story going because they realized that it was quadrupling their circulation. Um, I I wish I had the name of it. Um, Shoot, it's sitting around here somewhere. But anyhow, that's 1835. So I would ask, you know, has there ever been a time when mass communication has been in play in what we call civilization where this type of nonsense hasn't been going on? And I would suggest to you that no, it hasn't. And as a matter of fact, early on when the robber barons, the the railroad magnets and all these kind of royalty from America started to get so unbelievably wealthy, one of the things we know not arguable, we know was going on was certain of these individuals were buying up newspapers. And the reason they were buying up the newspapers was to control and fabricate a narrative. Anyhow, Jason, this does bring us to the top of the hour. Is there anything you want to add before we close down and and prep up for the second hour? All right. Well, we're going to go through the rest of... I pulled just certain stories and and I tried not to like rehash the same stuff that everyone's heard a million times I went through the 20th century and just tried to pull some incidents that were obvious fake news but were used for blatant propaganda and to change the mindset at at whatever particular time it was in and it's just it's ridiculous the things that these people pulled off and you know I'd like to say we're in a better state now with awareness but you know, they're doing such a good job of bombarding us with nonsense that you just don't really know what to think anymore. And and I think that's just something that's going to keep continuing on and on and on. So in hour two, we'll go through all these points and put a nice little capstone on it. And then we're going to do some more listener questions. Yeah. And I would point out to people, any war that has ever been reported on in the modern age, say even back to the early 1900s, How did that information come to you? Um, You know, are you familiar with the World War II idea of people would go to the movies and there would be a newsreel played in a movie theater that was telling them what was going on with the war? Jason and I have broken down what became of RCA going into World War II when it was weaponized. We broke down any number of the supposed free media outlets that were co-opted by the military industrial complex and then put to task to push the messaging they wanted. I would suggest to you two things. You have never seen a war in the modern age that even resembled what was actually going on. Secondarily, I would suggest to everybody listening, if you hear news out of hand, out of hand, you should consider it as false. You should consider it as false until there is a reason, a good provable reason not to do so. And that means you either challenge it or you live the rest of your life saying what I just heard was false. If you're a really intelligent person, turn the damn news off. Anyhow, that does bring us to the top of the first hour. We'll be covering quite a bit more about false news in the second hour. And again, our very popular thing we've been doing is getting questions from subscribers. We'll jump into that as well. So there it is, man. End of the first hour for episode 63 of Crow 777 Radio Podcast. Cheers. Cheers.